Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game and finding out what all the data means. Well, thanks for joining us here again on Crunching the Numbers. I'm your host, Mark Sapolis, with obviously the one and only data nerd himself, Shane Leonard. Thanks again for joining us, Shane. Hi, Ron. Hopefully you've had a good week. But today we've got a a really special guest joining us from Canada, a high-performance coach who's had the honour of even being involved in the junior Canadian Davis Cup team. Got Zach Olin from Canada. Hopefully, I've pronounced that right, Zach. You've nailed it. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a real pleasure to have you. Would love to get you to to maybe explain what you've done in tennis recently, and and certainly Canadian tennis as well. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I'm very fortunate to be in a in a good time in Canadian tennis, but with uh, our recent successes on the on the world stage. I'm based out of uh, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, out on the west coast. I've been here for about five years now, and uh, I'm the director of high performance at one of our our, uh, locations. We've got uh, a couple of locations across uh, British Columbia, and I'm the director of high performance at one of them. So I manage all of our national and international level uh, juniors. And yeah, I've been fortunate enough over the years to, uh, I was the assistant coach at the Junior Davis Cup last year. I've been able to travel a little bit on tour as a hitting partner at the WTA, and of course, travel all over the world uh, at ITF Junior events. Zach and I have actually got a, a funny story on how we've connected. Um, we, we, I think we followed each other on social media for maybe six to 12 months. I, I don't know exactly know how long, but uh, one of the things I, I've noticed with Zach is whenever I've put a data post out or a visualization out, he doesn't just accept it. He'll he'll probe and uh, and ask some questions. Um, you know whether it's you know what was the sample size you used for your data, or you know is is your conclusion statistically significant? And and I found that good. You know at times it's confronting, but then I think when you step back, you go actually this is good. This guy's engaging with the data. He wants to know more about it, and and sometimes. You know, when you put something online, you've just got one visual or you've got, you know, a blog of maybe 100 to 1,000 words or something and um, and a podcast is 15 minutes. You can't explain all the analysis in there. So I always find the people that are more engaged with it are the ones that are going to take more out of it. Um, and, I, and I have to say Mark's the same as well. Whenever I've put some analysis in front of him, he'll, he'll engage with it. He won't just look at the pretty graphs or the pretty visualizations. He'll go, okay, what am I looking at? And what do you want? You know, what are your... What are you drawing from it? What was your sample size? And I think that's a great discussion for us to have today. So Zach, maybe you can go through that recent sort of article you put out and some of the challenges that you found with data online and we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks. You uh, you navigated that pretty well because I, I was I was cautious of, of being portrayed as the, the heckler because that's certainly not what I uh, that's certainly not what I what I aspire to be. But as I reflect on it, the big thing for me is it all comes down to one word, which is why. You know, I'm always trying to understand the why behind why the stats are a certain way or why they work or why they're applicable to a certain player or a certain situation. Um, and that's what I'm always trying to figure out. And that was what I was sort of trying to get across in my in my blog post was the stats tell a story, but we have to make sure that they're telling. Uh, you know, an applicable story, a story that applies to what's going on on court. And so I wrote about how, you know, statistics are situational, right? Someone can be particularly effective with their forehand in a specific situation doesn't mean they're always effective. You know, statistics are player dependent. What works for one player may not work for another and what works for one opponent may not work for another. Uh, and I talked also about just correlation and causation. And if we don't know the why behind the specific stat, uh, it can be very easy to look and say, hey, you know, winners of matches usually are doing well in this stat, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that stat is the reason they're winning. It could just be that 
they're winning and therefore that stat goes up. That's a great explanation of, of your article, Zach. I, I, I love it because I'm always questioning Shane as well. And he, and you know, it's, it's actually, it's good to have that, that conversation around, you know, this is, this is the numbers. And I always sort of say to him, well, how does that relate to us? How does that relate to the player we have in front of us? Because that's probably the most important part about any kind of data is it's got to relate to the player you're working with at that particular moment. And I feel like, you know, if you read something online, don't just believe it, I think is one of the most important things. It's understand how that may relate to you. Now, it may relate to you in different ways, but um, I think it's important to understand, obviously, you know, the, the sample size behind it, you know, how, how it's relevant, why it's relevant. Uh, and then you sort of come to a conclusion and then you utilize that for your purpose, for your athlete who's in front of you at that particular moment. And Shane likes a little bit of a little bit of an argy-bargy with me as well. We, we have a bit of, bit of a nice argumentative conversation at times, which is great because it has to be, because that's what performance is all about. It's never about just agreeing with what you see. It's about having the really um, strong conversations to make sure it relates to everybody that you, you've got in front of you. Yeah, and, I, and I've always found, uh, and so I've done some work for, for a number of coaches and players, and, and particularly where the coach is engaged and questioning the data, we've had better results. Um, I've had situations where a coach has just gone, oh, well, that's amazing and taken it away. And, you know, you immediately feel like, oh, great, you did something wonderful. But then the fact that there's no engagement concerns me because it means, okay, well, have they interpreted everything correctly? I've, I've got my view, but I know, you know, people approach what they see in different ways and, and a coach is closer to the game in reality than an analyst would be. So it's a worry if there is no communication and there's no um, understanding of or collective understanding of the stats before he goes off and uses it. So I, I too appreciate that when, when people actually question and challenge it. Well, and I think the, this is going to sound simplistic, but tennis is so complex and I, I'm certainly not a statistician and, I'm, and I've, I've got a ton of respect for, for the stats that are coming out and the people that are doing the work because I know I couldn't do it. Uh, but tennis is, is incredibly complex. It's an open skill sport. There's not just one shot. There's numerous shots. There's numerous techniques within the shots, numerous strategies, court positions, opponent styles, you name it. And it's going to be, I think, a while before we can get to the stage that other sports are at in terms of really knowing what are the key performance indicators, unless you're able to assess the information and individualize it to each player. Yeah, 100% agree, Zach. It's, um, in, in my other role as a, as a coach, I coach uh, the Australian Rules Football, and we have uh, full-time data statisticians and analysts sitting next to us all game, giving us all of these numbers, constantly numbers, 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 until we, we said to them, give us the numbers that, that provide our performance rather than every number that you can see on the screen. And I think that's where we started to get a lot of good results was, okay, these are our KPIs and all we want you to feed us is data relevant to our KPIs. What makes us play to our best ability? What's going to make us perform and win games? And once that started to hone down into minimal amount of stats, but stats relevant to us at that time, that's where success started to, to really rear its head. And I feel like Shane, with us, we've been very similar with tennis in that um, we, when we had an athlete, we'd start off with a whole range of data and then we would confine it into smaller, more relevant for that particular athlete and say, okay, well, let's get rid of A, B and C and let's just work with E, F and G. And I think that's where we had more success was when we actually specified what worked for every athlete that we've worked with in, in the past. 
Yeah, that's a good point, Mark. And um, and I'm going to speak here to to the analysts and the data scientists out there. And and I think it's really big that you don't take too much offence or, or get down on yourself if not all your analysis gets taken into consideration, or if the coach has follow up question or, or probes it further, challenges it. Don't take offence. See that as uh, as a positive, really. Um, I think situations where you go unchallenged are often the most dangerous in in any role, not just uh, sort of a tennis analytical role. And if you don't have that sort of review challenge mechanism i suggest you put it in place just have someone an external sort of viewer to to add some rigor to to your process and 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 often when you're really close to analysis you might miss something that uh, someone else might pick up um, and and i think all of this really um reminds me of something and i, I think if we all start with the premise that all uh, analysis has a degree of error and and accept the premise that all predictive models are wrong there's simply just a simplification of that sort of reality um, and, and that introduces error. If you have that sort of starting point and, and you work from there with sort of subject matter experts like Mark and Zach uh, in coaching and different industries, you can apply this to as well. If you, if you then work with them um, and everyone understands the, the limits of the data, then collectively you can develop something useful with um, data-driven insights where everyone is clear on what what they got from the data, what the data doesn't give them and know what the application is, then it can be a really useful product. Now, the other thing I think is really important and arguably just as important as the analysis is for for, for data scientists and, and, and analysts to, to really work on on the soft skills around communication. And this is both verbal and written, but I'd say an area that I've had to really develop a lot more is that sort of verbal communication to supplement the, the analysis that I've done. So your, your analysis might be groundbreaking or your models might have like an amazing high, high predictive accuracy, true positives, identifying and classifying that all correctly. But if you're unable to communicate that to the audience, then you've done yourself and your team a disservice. So get the communication right, build that into whatever analysis value chain you've got, because um, from my experience, if you don't get that right, then you, you've lost a lot of hard work. And from my experience as well, you have five, 10 minutes to verbally communicate this with a coach you're working with. Um, often I've had to deal with players uh, and coaches that are halfway across the world and they'll only give you five, 10 minutes. They don't have an hour to give you. And so you've got to nail in that time the key points and you've got to give them the ability in that time to challenge and probe the analysis. And if you don't do that, then there's a risk that there's going to be misinterpretation. So I might change gears a little bit and I just put to both you Zach and Mark on how you're currently using data and, and video analysis tools um, and just because we've heard from you uh, a fair bit over the last eight weeks I might start with you Zach. Yeah so we don't have uh, anything of the sort or on the scale that that you offer that you're talking about uh, in fact it doesn't seem to be particularly uh, or at least as common in North America. What we do do a lot of is video analysis and charting specific to our themes, what we're working on. And so that can be, you know, filming practice matches and training, filming points in training, or it can be filming matches in competition. And we'll usually have an objective, a theme that we've been working on for a few weeks or that we're going to start to work on. And we're charting and recharting and measuring to look at the effectiveness 
in a particular situation, how is this player or how is this group of players performing in a, in a specific situation? And that, that can't be done without video because we're, we're obviously, uh, a lot of the time when you're live, you have to be supporting. And so we're recording and then we're going back and watching the tapes and uh, measuring performance and progress. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, it's good because, you know, us as coaches, Shane, I think it's important we continually evolve. And obviously, you know, um, having statistics on our athletes is, is important to measure success so you've got fitness statistics which have been around for a long period of time and we can test how fast someone is and we can put a stopwatch on for that sort of stuff but as Zach's mentioned before I think tennis is one of those things that there's so many different elements to it um, and it's really hard to hone down on you know a couple of key things but it is important for us to to ensure that we don't try and stat every single part of a match um, because that's not our, our strength as coaches. And sometimes we don't have accessibility to people like yourself, Shane, you know, particularly in our area of coaching, which might be in a recreational setting at times where, you know, we, we can't afford it or a player can't afford it. So we have to find ways that are quick, easy, but also specific to and tailored to every individual player. So it is a challenge at times, Zach. I know that when you've got players on the court and you've got to, you know, you've got to chart the match and you've got to find time to do that and then get the results back to them and, and then measure it consistently. It, uh, it does become time consuming, but um, it's obviously very, very important for our players to see the improvements. I think they, they thrive on seeing themselves doing well. And, and obviously video and, and, and data is a really important part of of uh, creating that positivity in their learning and their development. And if I can just jump in on that last point, because I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. I, I'm always, I'm a structure guy and I'm always reflecting on, on and putting, you'll see most of my blog posts follow some sort of list uh, system because it's the way my brain works, but reflecting on, on certain things. And I think it's important for, for especially for coaches, but, but I'm sure coaches and analysts to, to understand why we're collecting data. And in my head, there's, there's three ways, one or three reasons. One is to be, to scout, an opponent or scout a field of opponents and figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are. Another is to assess performance in a particular match and see how your player is doing. What could they have done better when you look at the stats later in hindsight, what, you know, what are the tactical adjustments they could have made? But the other one is to measure progress and to just simply, because the results can lie to you and you can be playing great and improve a lot and obviously have a, have a tough draw or play against an opponent who's doing really well or simply have a bad day or you can not be improving, but have some good results for whatever reason. And so the results can lie and it's important to be able to have concrete measurable objectives that you can look and say six weeks ago we measured you were doing this you were effective at this percentage you know now six weeks later in the present moment you're effective at this percentage you've improved it's uh, it's not just for analyzing matches and and, and tactics and, and decisions but also just measuring progress you hit the nail on the head there i think that they're probably the key um reasons you, you do collect the, the the data i mean for one we, we we love using it to, to benchmark so we'll look at our athlete and then we'll look at this is how this these you know the top level athletes are hitting and what's the gap and what can we work on to sort of bridge that gap? I'd like to sort of end on um, perhaps suggestions from you guys on to, to the analyst community or, or even to, to other coaches on how it's better to sort of engage with analysts and, and, and coaches. Um, any, any suggestions on, on how we should approach those relationships? My biggest thing about analysts is keep it simple. You know, I, I want to see um, something that is simple and easy to read. Um, as a coach, um, and, and I'm sure Zach is very different. He's very, he sounds very smart, much smarter than I am. But I feel like I want to see something that hits me straight away. And I don't have to go and continually read and read and read to understand. Data needs to be understandable. Uh, it needs to be simple. It needs to be easy for me to also explain back to somebody else. And if I can see that, 
uh, as a coach, I'll use it. If it's something that I cannot understand, I'll switch off pretty quickly to it. I want to make sure that, especially if it's online and it's in social media, for example, that it is clear cut and it's like one or maybe maximum two key points. I feel like a lot of data analysts put a lot of work and a lot of numbers and a lot of things that you've got to sort through too often. But the simpler it is, the easier for me as a coach, the easier for me to then portray onto athletes or to utilize for my benefit. Yeah, on my end, after reflection, I think it's the the person receiving the, the data, it has to be, they have to be able to visualize it. And I don't just mean graphs and charts, but for a player, I think they have to be able to see what that information looks like on the court so that they can visualize it and see how it fits in with their game and how they can apply it. And as a coach, I want to be able to visualize it so that I can have a broader understanding of this works because of this or this works in this situation, but I'll have to tweak it for, for X, Y, and Z. Uh, if I can't visualize it, then it's harder for me to trust it because I just don't, I don't know that I'm interpreting it correctly. The stats might be great, but if I don't quite see it and grasp it, there's just as much of a chance that I go out on court and implement it the wrong way. And I think from my perspective, from the analyst is, um, yeah, obviously taking on those points, but um, once you've done the analysis, just uh, make sure you just have some dot points. You can prepare even the slide deck, not necessarily to use it, but just to, to, to be able to explain, you know, where you got the data from, what the sort of sample size, if the coach asks that, and then, um, yeah, just really work on communicating it. So, as Mark said, try and keep that simple. He doesn't want, you know, a lot of coaches don't have the time to read so much. So keep it simple um, and um, work on the communication. Totally agree. And, you know, it's actually been a real uh, pleasure to have Zach on. And I, I didn't know Zach before we, we went to air on this. And just by listening to you, Zach, I'm definitely going to have a read through of, uh, of what you've written because I really think that you've got a really good tennis mind. And um, it's actually been a real pleasure to to not only um, interview you, but to obviously meet you online. And um, we thank you for your time. Obviously, um, you know, everyone's time is, is precious. And uh, we hope you're doing okay, obviously, in this uh, challenging time as well with COVID-19 right across the world. Well, you're being you're being far too kind. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure. I'm really grateful to have the chance. And I, I, I've enjoyed uh, both looking at, at, at Shane, uh, your content, and listening to the, to the podcast and, and the content that you guys put out. So it's an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and same to you. Stay safe and be healthy thank you very much Zach it's been an absolute pleasure uh, Shane well done as always my friend you uh, continually bring up not only data but now you're bringing out guests from all over the world and um, you're, 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 gi- you're giving us the content that everybody out there wants to hear so thank you so much uh, Shane for, for your work and you can find Shane's work at Data Driven Sports Analytics it is your place to go for all the data and he'll be very simple thanks to Zach's information and, um, but no thanks again uh, Shane for your work as well yeah, thanks, Sam. And yeah, it was great having you on, Zach. And, um, and thanks again, Mark. And everyone stay safe and uh, we'll see you next week. That was another thanks, episode Sam. of Crunching the Numbers. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it has been a pleasure to bring you tennis during this really challenging time. So hopefully you're all staying safe. You can find us at Data Driven Sports Analytics with uh, Shane Leonage and the Tennis Menu with Mark Sapolis. Thank you once again. See you next week.